0: Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. Hello
1: again, I am Dr. Gary, and this is Leading from the Front where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. And our guest today is a New York Times contributor, host of the Everyday Mindfulness Show, and a trailblazing keynote speaker and stress reduction coach. That's something we could all use. As the founder of the C-Suite Mindful Leadership Council, she works with stressed out people to find work-life integration. Our world has just become mindless And through applied mindfulness practices, she works with leaders to release beliefs that no longer serve us and help them create lives that they love. She's the author of four award-winning best-selling books. Her most recent is Everyday Mindfulness from Chaos to Calm in a Crazy World. After a session with her, we'll be able to accept our beliefs, our thoughts, and actions that make us the best we can possibly be and help our company. So I want to welcome with us today, Holly Duckworth. How are you doing, Holly?
2: I'm great, Gary. I'm going to take you on the road with me. Thanks for that great introduction.
1: (laughs) Well, I I look at your name and I see C-A-E-C-M-P and L-S-P. You want to explain what uh, all those letters are behind your name? I love that. I mean,
2: (laughs) L-M-N-O-P, H-I-J-K. You know, Gary, it's it's such a privilege as somebody who's such a a lifelong learner as you are you know after a while you 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 just you start learning and you learn more The the cmp is actually a certified meeting professional i came out of the meetings and hospitality industry yes. that's the highest designation worldwide for the, the art and the science and the business of planning meetings of all sizes. The CAE is Certified Association Executive, which is the highest designation for nonprofit executive directors. And LSP is a licensed spiritual practitioner. And i kind of put all of those experiences from the most stressed out industries in the world, meeting and event planning, is second only to police and firemen for the most stressed out consistently on that list. Um, and blend it with my licensed spiritual practitioner degree to find this intersection of mindfulness.
1: I've talked to you a little bit in the past, and I think about this idea of mindfulness, and we do a lot of work with our executives on emotional intelligence and awareness. Mindfulness, I think, takes it to a whole nother level. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved with mindfulness, and how, you know, how did you get where you are, and how does that relate to leading organizations and departments today?
2: Oh, that's such a fun, fun question, Gary. You know, the, the the journey journey is is such a great, great adventure. I I often joke when I get asked this question. Well, I said yes. And then I said yes, and I didn't know what I said yes to. And then I said yes again, and I started in point A and ended in point Z. Many people are often surprised to hear that my early education was actually in meteorology. And I was accepted to Purdue University in their atmospheric sciences program. And, you know, you you say yes to to that. And really, meteorology, weather forecasting, is the the study of energy changing as it shows up as weather. And that became... The study of energy as it changes with people and, and how it how it continues to, to grow and evolve. So really my, my career was just one, one yes after another after another. And, and saying yes to the to the unknown and the adventure of it all. I, I love that your show works with uh you know this idea of of responsibility, not leadership. Cause I, I always break that word down to say leadership is the ability to respond. And so, so my career has been. A mindful exploration of okay, well, I love meetings, I love people. And then I, I got kind of a download from the universe, as I call it, that those skills and abilities needed to be offered in a broader way. And that's when I started my com- my company, Leadership Solutions International. And and that became the ability to respond to this deep knowing within me that there was there was more to life than than business and that brought me on a seeker's journey to, to this idea of, of spirituality. So we, we really infuse theology, neuroscience, uh, your words, emotional intelligence, in, in a blender that comes out on the other side, which is mindfulness. And w- um, at the C-Suite Network, we say mindfulness is the multidisciplinary approach to awareness and presence in business and how we can utilize that as a powerful skill to transform our employee experience, our customer experience, and certainly our bottom line.
1: So let's, let's help our let's go to the basics, because I always like to uh, start with, uh, you know, definitions. And you kind of described what mindfulness is, Do you have a definition for mindfulness that uh, we can kind of have as a foundation for us to have this conversation?
2: Well, Gary, that's a great place to start. And, you know, so many of us, mindfulness is that thing that we we heard about and we thought was woo-woo, or maybe we saw a magazine at the grocery store that had mindfulness on it, or that's what makes mindfulness amazing and what makes it a challenge. So there's no one agreed upon definition of mindfulness, but I think if you pack most of them kind of on the same bookshelf, you're going to get something that comes out like the version from Jon Kabat-Zinn. He's kind of the founder of mindfulness in North America. And he founded the MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Institute. And he says, mindfulness is the practice of being present in the moment without judgment. So I like to refer to that. Mindfulness is the practice of being present in the moment without judgment.
1: I love that. And one of the things, you know, when you talk about that from leadership is, is in awareness is being in that moment and being knowing what's going on around us, what's going on in us being present, but also with non-judgment, we are so conditioned to judge all the time. And we, we sometimes think because we're supposed to be managing performance of others that we have to judge their performance rather than assess it. There's a big difference. How does this idea of mindfulness relate to uh, how does it help leaders? I mean, if we break this down, the practice of being present in the moment, that seems to be pretty obvious is why that's so powerful for leaders. What's your experience been?
2: You know, Gary, it's sort of funny. I will never forget it. I was on a recent meeting and and one of the gentlemen like had that light bulb moment. He goes, "Oh my gosh, I've been I've been doing mindfulness my whole life." He had a, a daily devotional type of practice, a affirmation, you know. A, a he might have called it a prayer. He goes, "But I never I never thought about taking that into my work life." And that was like the light bulb. Oh, hallelujah! That mindfulness has really become a, a secular practice. So a lot of the pushback I get on mindfulness is: Is this religion? Is it, uh, you know, tied to to a good book in any way? And while some of the the roots of of mindful breathing may have come out of some Eastern tradition, those have those have been stripped away to invite this conversation into a business realm. That that mindfulness is really, like you said, it's awarefulness. It's practicing being in this moment. And we know the more that we can. Breathe and we can center, we can get, we can utilize what I call head data. That's you know, the graphs and the charts and the numbers, infused with what I call our heart data. When we put those two things together, we're so much better positioned as individuals and as teams to move our businesses to the highest and best place, even in this time of transformation.
1: Well, yeah. So I I like the word practice. You know, you talk about mindfulness, it's a practice. You know, if somebody wants a simple answer, you say, well, we practice this. What do we practice? We practice like just knowing that you're there. And I talk about this with leaders all the time. The problem is we're always traveling. Their mind is traveling, traveling to the past, to the future, to their checklist, to something else, to another conversation, to their email. It's traveling instead of being face to face or doing what they're doing in that moment. And when we're traveling we're not very effective or efficient, especially when we're engaged with human beings. Our definition of leadership at Staterius is the ability to build relationships so we can achieve our goals together with compassion and accountability. And the ability to build those relationships and mindfulness is absolutely aligned. Like, you know, when you're talking about it. So how do you teach people this practice? I mean, that's a nice concept. I just, I could just start doing that, right? Just, I'm going to just start being present. Okay, I'm done here.
2: Gary, I love that. We have seven practices at Leadership Solutions International that we, oh, we, we, we pack it. them into, <laughs> we call it applied mindfulness. So you and I have had, had some great, great conversations in- prior to the show today that, you know, you have a meditation practice and, and that looks like a more traditional meditative practice. And this kind of is a, is a nuance of, of mindfulness as well. Do I have to sit in a yoga position or in my chair and like, just not move and breathe? And that's, Yeah,
1: I can't sit in that yoga <laughs> position anymore. My legs won't take it, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> but
2: that's where mindfulness again is becoming a little more mainstream is there's kind of two branches of it. There's there's traditional mindfulness as meditation, meditative mindfulness. There's actual formal practices that they call that, which if that works for you and that inspires you, great. But what we've done at Leadership Solutions International is we've said, what if we took those practices and we made them applied practices? These are things you could do in two to five minutes that would bring you back to the present moment that maybe doesn't require you to be on a yoga mat. You referenced my book, Everyday Mindfulness from Chaos to Calm in a a Crazy World. And on the back of it, it says in big, big letters, no yoga mat required. So this is mindfulness for the the non-meditator, if you will.
1: Let's put you on the spot here and see if we have to edit this out or not. Let's do a two minute mindfulness exercise right now. I mean, you're the expert. Let's come up with something that could help me practice mindfulness. And help our listeners practice mindfulness. How how would I go about doing that? I'm sitting at my desk. It's you know three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm a CEO of a company. I'm stressed out. I need to kind of get back my my brain back to where it belongs or something. How do I practice it?
2: Oh my gosh, Gary, I love this because it's it's so perfect. And let's do it kind of in the in the zoom realm right now. So most of us are, you know, on some level in a a video meeting, no matter what your, what your platform is. And, And maybe you've had this moment, Gary, I hope you haven't, but, but I know this moment is true for me. That moment where you suddenly realize you've been crossing your legs and your eyes are turning yellow because you might've had that morning coffee and you haven't had that opportunity to like get up and go to the place where I say everybody can kind of go without permission go to go to the, go to the restroom right this is a really fun place to to have a mindfulness practice you know so many of us step into that space and like you said our, our mindful our mind busyness our mind overwhelm is going i even before before hand washing was a thing i i had the kind of the, the hand washing mindfulness practice like What if we took that moment and we we stepped away from the Zoom meeting and and, and stepped into that that quiet ashram of, of private restroom hood and utilize that as your mindfulness practice. Feel your feet on the ground. Feel your body in that experience. When you turn on the water, hear the water turning on when you're putting your hands under the water, feel, is it cool? Is it warm? Watch that soap lather into your hands. And then I like to say, you know, if you're gonna be fully present in that moment, also take that stress and feel it kind of slide down your shoulders and down into your arms and into your hands. And then literally watch it wash down the drain. This is kind of um, a mindful centering practice to let all that frenetic energy go. Maybe even some of that technology energy stuff that we pick up. And then, you know, as you're drying your hands, be fully present in that moment. Maybe even, you know, say your affirmation again. We're kind of doing a couple practices together, but I am easeful. I am excited. I am joyful. I am grateful. And let yourself feel that in every cell and fiber of your beingness as you go back to your desk and resume that next meeting. That's one two-minute practice. We kind of have that within the framework of our day anyway, but we can elevate it and utilize that as an opportunity to, as you said, reconnect to our ability to respond. Not not responsibility is some big thing out there, but our human ability to respond in a powerful moment.
1: So I, I love it. So here we go. We're going to take two minutes. Okay, we're back. I tell you, it feels so good. I washed my hands. I took those couple of minutes. I, I you know, But your description, I joke a little bit, but your description as you were talking about, I'm thinking... Yeah. You know, you feel the water. And so you're in that moment, you're practicing mindfulness in that moment, as you're washing your hands and, and feeling your feet on the floor and letting the stress relax and fall off your shoulders. I really like that. So it's, it's that simple. It's finding those kinds of what we would say, routine activities that we often don't think about and actually take the time to think about it when we're in that moment. And it changes the way we experience the world, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people have a fear of of mindfulness because they think they have to be quiet and still their mind. And it's virtually impossible to still our mind. But I think it's just taking that moment to get connected to our breath and connected to our body again. Another strategy I, I love to use, and I know we're all kind of in different states of commuting or different states of driving, but the same thing and apply in driving. How many of us have gotten in the car, driven to work, and then we get in the parking lot and go, oh my gosh, I don't know how I got here. Or the grocery store, I don't know how I got here. Exactly. You know, I call my car, I call my car my driving ashram. You can call it your driving peace mobile, you know, what whatever fits for you, you know, my centered space. And I even do this you know, I don't have kids, but I, you know, my executives who have kids in the car, I'm like, let's the whole, you know, all of the kids, let's agree. This is kind of our our peace place. And, and the peace place moves us from from home to school or home to work that, you know, just taking that second and feeling your hands fully on on the dashboard and on the, and on the car steering wheel and really getting present with, okay, I'm going to go left and then I'm going to go right. And I'm going to be here that, you know, this is a practice that invites us to be more calm, more centered. And then from that place, make a huge difference in our businesses.
1: Yeah. You'll show up differently when you get to your destination. Although I I only recommend you do that one out of 10 times, the other nine times you listen to Dr. Gary's podcast. I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. So, (laughs) (laughs) so that's, that's some great stuff. Uh, So we, we, we practice mindfulness in a lot of different, how, what, what was the, the moment though? And a lot of times people know, I can tell you the exact moment when the word leadership was shared with me and it became my passion when I was 16 years old. Did you have that moment or was it something that just happened over time?
2: Oh, oh, Gary, it, the yes and to that for sure. I, I have to to look up here at, at my bookshelf because on the shelf is uh, po, uh, Kuzin's and Posner's book, The Leadership Challenge. Yep, That was a book that was near and dear to me in, in my, my studies. And I remember reading that book and going, oh, my gosh, this is me. Oh, my gosh, this is my life. Oh, my gosh, this totally fits. And I, I have several copies of it, of course, over the years with with notes and doodles and post-it notes and all that. But but for me, it, it was a calling and a, and a connection. And it, it came through that book.
1: Oh, That's great. So you you uh, in your past, we haven't talked much about your past and actual experiences in leading people. You have uh, some experience in business leading people.
2: It's fascinating. You know, where we start isn't always where we think we're going to end up. I, I don't tell this a lot, but I, I grew up in a trailer park, very blue collar, first generation high school graduate, first generation college graduate. And I I like to share that story when it's appropriate for folks, no matter where you are in your career path as you're listening to the show, that you have that opportunity to respond and change and find the right mentors and path for you. So, you know, my leadership really started out in volunteer organizations as a volunteer. I was the youngest ever meeting professionals, international president. I was under 30 years old, leading people much with much more life experience than me but learning those skills of, you know, working together to have a vision and action and turn it into, you know, financial results and impact within an industry. And then that became working for Meeting Professionals International. I led 30 teams of volunteer leaders and people go, oh, well, Holly, that that wasn't like leading in corporate. Well, I would argue it was harder because I was working with volunteers. I didn't have a paycheck to incentivize them with or or a carrot to, to prod them with.
1: Well, I want to, I want to reinforce that Holly, because I absolutely agree with you hundred percent that leading voluntary organizations is much harder. You have no authority at all. So you have no management authority at all. You can only lead them. So I applaud you for that. And I agree with you. It's much harder. So you have a lot of leadership experience because it's all based on personal power. It's you have no positional power whatsoever.
2: Well, and Gary, I, I, I'd highlight this for your listener as well, that, I, that I, I like my story to also have people think in this transformative time that it, it's not about your age either. We're living in a world where it's about, you know, purple or orange people or yellow people or you're in your 20s or you're an X or a Y or a boomer or whatever. And, you know, I, I've never let that be a part of my story. And I've been able to to lead from any chair in the room often by my presence, that the calm mindfulness, the ability to put my ears on my heart and maybe just ask that one perfect question. So no matter where you find yourself sitting in a Zoom room or in a face-to-face room in a paid corporation or in an association, utilizing this transformative time as that tipping point to say five years from now or 10 years from now, wow, that time of pandemic was that time that I stepped up regardless of my age, to make the positive impact that I was here t- to
1: make. The word that comes to mind as we talk about mindfulness is ageless, is just, and, and I just had another uh, gentleman on our podcast earlier today talking about the same thing that it's actually become a, a positive thing now where younger people, all age people are being accepted whether they're older like me or younger whatever. It's about the, what the value the person brings. It's whatever value that person brings to the table to contribute to the team. And every person has value if we can, as leaders, find it, if we can uncover those, those strengths and talents that the person has to contribute. We just have to look for it. You have to just have a mindset that it's there. We just have to find it.
2: Mindfulness is is your personal practice, the things that you do in the the still small voice of your own life, we we have you know intention setting. We have this idea of centering. We talked about getting clear about your beliefs. You know, being in that state of gratitude are, are a few of them. But it's it's once you get really centered in that, the the vision and the path starts to be made made clear. I'm still kind of smiling a little bit of embarrassed that you made me break down all those letters after my name. But but it's really right now is, is a level set for all of us. And so being in that mindful awareness that you can move your life in any path. I've talked to a lot of folks right now that are in the rewirement or cl- moving towards retirement stage, but um, you know, we've also got these new new students graduating and we all- can have a mindful conversation, and so I often take this practice of you know meditation or visioning. I may not call it meditation, but when we have before we have that Zoom call meeting, I might get out a singing bowl and breathe. Or maybe I'll have everybody on the call. If it's you know a call of under ten people, go around and say one thing they're grateful for. Or you know we all have our to do list today. How are we going to turn our to do list into a to be list? How are we going to be in our doing? And it's so easy. And I mean, I know you you talked about, you know, the Forbes stress research. It's so easy to fall into that. But with a, an intention practice, all of us on a meeting can say, you know what, my intention is to be fully present. My intention is to be joyful or happy or fun. Um, and just by how am I going to be in the doing of my to-do list can be a mindful practice that all of us on our teams can do. And yeah. I'm always excited because those words generally weave together to create that perfect leadership dynamic.
1: Yeah. So you get, you you get people relaxed. I mean, and people will think better. They'll, they'll perform better. When I talk about the meditation, the quieting of the mind, I just always make this noise. It's like, that's, that's our typical brain. Just can't stop it. Right. But that's what's going on in our brain. And most people are really struggling with trying to get it to stop. So leadership solutions international. I love the name. When you go into an organization, how do you typically engage the leadership team in the work that you do, if, if you're with a new client and they say, you know what, Holly, I love what you do. Talk to us about how you, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to experience by working with you?
2: Well, great question, Gary. Of course, everything in the world has, has changed. i traditionally someone would find me as a keynote speaker somewhere and I'll often come from that realm could now it could be in person or I'm a certified virtual presenter. But the first thing I always do is, Kind of stand in this place of recognition that that even in the chaos there's good. We, we have to to recognize the the vision and the values, and recognize that there is a force even right now in these interesting times of good. And, and, and let's I work listen for, to that kind good. of a position of you know that that builds trust, it builds awareness. They recognize that I'm not Holly on high coming in with my big giant plan, but that that I recognize that the answer is within us, within the collective of them. And then, then we do kind of a unification strategy where I might go and interview various people as individuals or as small groups, and then we'll do a facilitation or maybe have a. I don't like to call them retreats because retreat really means run away. I call them strategic advances. You know, words matter, people. If you're calling it a retreat, your people are running. So, so in so in my company, we we really <laughs> reframe those as like a strategic advance or a collaboration conversation and then we'll share out in a confidential trusting way, you know, what teams are saying. And we're gonna unify around both the problem And then have some conversations about what do we want to realize? And that starts to move to then the solution phase. And some of that's going to be an integration of what I've learned working with other companies. And oftentimes it comes from those those group interactions and those group conversations that oftentimes it's, you know, that quietest person in the room suddenly has the courage to raise their hand and say, have you thought about this? why don't we do this? And then somebody goes, Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. And then we start to move through an action phase. I'm often quoted for saying what you visualize, you actualize. And so in that realization phase, we may actually do a visioning meditation where we talk about what does your, your solution look like? What's it feel like? What's it sound like? And we open everybody's energy in the room to, to looking at the hard data and looking at the head data. So you recognize that the good in the room, we unify to more of that good, we realize what's possible. And then we start to give thanks and really breathe life into if this solution was already happening, what would it look like? And then from that place, each team member will take their individual action items and think about how they want to be in the action items. And we start to move them forward to that solution. And there's so much better employee satisfaction in that employee health in that that it naturally spills over to the customer experience and then ultimately impacts their bottom line.
1: Oh absolutely. So the work that we do is all inside out, you know, leadership comes from the inside out what you're talking about. When you talk about the head and the heart data that's really from the inside, right? You just create a process to help people get that out that's already in there and uh, it sounds sounds really really interesting. So What you visualize, you actualize. I like that. And I'm going to tell you one other thing. Uh, I've thought about having retreats. I'm going to stop thinking about having retreats. I'm going to start having strategic advances. So (laughs) I love it. I love it. So let's finish up today.
2: Well, Gary, I think that's a really powerful thing is we we have to think about our words matter. And that's part of what's made this pandemic a little bit of a challenge is people didn't want to stop. I mean, like the world hard stopped. But they panicked a little bit and because they didn't know what was on the other side of their busy. You know, We've been going on that carousel and going and going and going that we need some time often to think about what are the words we say. And as I approach writing any of my articles or any of my blogs, I always literally Google the words, you know, what does equality mean? Do I agree with that? Do I disagree with that? What does it look like? What's it, you know, and then really start to unpack it. Cause I think a lot of us make a lot of assumptions about a word. Cause we've just used it all the time. Retreat, 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 you know, for all of your career, we're going to go on a retreat. I'm like, wait, this doesn't make sense. And this is a really cool time. The world's, I think ears are a little bit more open to say, wow, that really, that really doesn't make sense. And then with grace and compassion, as you talk about, switch it up, change it.
1: Yeah. As I've always said, the uh... Words don't have meaning until we agree, and actually, that's the way we started today. And I I asked you for a definition of mindfulness, and so to finish up, I want to ask you one one more question: If you were going to write Holly a letter and be able to send it back to you 20 years ago, primarily as a leader and on your path in life, is there anything that you could have told that younger Holly? That you would you would have loved to have known fifteen or twenty years ago because I know you're like only like you know thirty years old so I can't say thirty years ago that would be too young. Uh, so what would you say to Holly? What would you write to that younger Holly and give her some some wise advice?
2: Oh, Gary, that's such a great question and an activity that I've actually done and and I would encourage if you're if you're listening right now. This is a great activity for you to do as well. because I, I like to say, you know what we we're, we order that into the universe. So like you know, we go to a restaurant and we order tacos and we know twenty minute la- minutes later tacos are coming. So, you know, working with that question a little bit, you know, what would I what would I say to myself to to order to the universe? I don't know. I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and that's the home, home of, of Nike. So just do it seems a little bit, a uh, little, little bit, maybe less than, <laughs> less than, than mindful. A part of, of being a, a transformational leader right now is being willing to to just do it and and go for it. You know, Gary, you and I connected through the C-Suite Network Thought Council and we've created a support network around each other to to leap and the net will appear. And those might sound like funny words, especially right now when we're saying we're all in this together, but really right now really is a time people are calling me, you know, Holly, how are you doing all this? I'm like, I don't know, I'm throwing noodles on the wall and I'm seeing what sticks And and that would have been a piece of advice I think I would, would give to my younger self and, and, you know, certainly give to myself now and to clients is let's, let's, try things, whatever that thing is that you always dreamed you would do. That seems crazy for me. I mean, I'm a girl who grew up in a trailer park, you know, being a best-selling author was, was not on my radar screen, but yet I, I, I leaned into that small voice with me that said, Oh, I'm curious. I'm willing. What could I, what could I do? And, and, um, the first book actually did take me four years in labor and development. Everyday mindfulness from chaos to calm was 75 days. Write, edit, design, and number one new release on Amazon in in 75 days. So, you know, do it. Whatever it is, make those baby steps and and visualize. I mean, I have to make my book covers first. Gear, I don't know how you do it, but like I hold the book in my hand, visualize it, actualize it, feel it, and then I write it. So uh, keep keep going because that's we all have the ability to respond and and just just let's let's get through this um, as better humans on the other side.
1: Well, just do it and keep going. I think that's a great, great way for us to end it. And I I just want to point out that if your first book took four years, as did mine, and the last book took 75 days, then it is true that practice makes perfect. So if you do things over and over again, you get better at it. And if you practice mindfulness, as our guest uh, Holly Duckworth says, practice mindfulness and you'll just have a better life. You'll be a better person and you'll be more aware. So, Holly, thanks so much for being our guest today. I've uh, learned a lot, and I hope our listeners have as well.
2: Thank you, Gary. I just hope everybody remembers mindful matters, and so do you.
1: Mindful matters, and so do you. And how can they get a hold of you, Holly?
2: You know, I'm very easy to find. leadership LeadershipSolutionsIntl.com has all of my personal keynotes, all of my work on my podcasts, and all of the books and work on mindfulness.
1: Great. And I'm, I'm sure on LinkedIn or on Google, they can find, uh, there's only ho- one Holly Duckworth that I know of.
2: Actually, Gary, believe it or not, there are two Holly Duckworths and they both <laughs> live in Colorado and I have met her. She's a beautiful, wonderful real estate agent. That's amazing. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Social media, LinkedIn. Great. Um, it's very easy to find me and it would be my honor to serve. So don't, don't hesitate. If you've got a question on the show, just do it. Write me an email, link in with me.
1: That's, that's awesome. Thanks so much, Holly. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. And this has been Leading from the Front. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.